The notion of loving kindness seems at first glance a bit of a no-brainer, doesn't it? I'm nice to people and that niceness will create a pool of niceness which will affect the attitudes of those around me who will in turn be nice to me. That all sounds well and good. We all win. Result, everybody happy. But wait, I hear you say. Am I being nice to be in turn treated well? Or am I behaving well with no particular end in view? In other words, are my actions selfless or selfish? And does that matter, I hear others of you say. If the result is an increase in general happiness, who cares? Well, I do, for one. I'm fascinated by the mechanism in us that generates the desire to do good in the first place. Is it moral compunction that drives me to act in a particular way? Something taught along the way which I decide to make use of? Or am I as bound by randomness as I think the universe to be? Is there a plan? Or are we just pawns in a game beyond our control? Where do those rules come from? And why do I and most people adhere to them? Does it make me feel good, or am I interested in generating the feel-good factor in others? Are you more compelled to carry out random acts of kindness which no one will know about but you? Or do you care to be noticed? Is the impulse to love innate? Or do we have to learn it by example and command? As Jesus said, love thy neighbour as thyself. I'd like to think that the capacity to show love is part of what it means to be human. But too often we hear and read examples of our capacity to hurt, to maim, and even kill our fellow beings. What a complex creature we are. Sometimes our acts of kindness are even thwarted or misunderstood. People are suspicious of favours received, gifts offered. They create a sense of obligation in us and we find it hard to accept the kindness of friends. We feel the need to return the favour, clear the slate as it were, and return to a neutral space where nothing is offered and nothing gained. On other occasions, it's the sheer volume of stuff proffered which almost neutralises the game. Clearly, something is wrong. Why are we suspicious of motives? What makes us hesitant to accept what is probably offered in love and friendship? I suppose part of the problem lies in the fact that we can't read into people's hearts. <coughs> if we knew the impulse was genuine, then all would be well. The answer, of course, lies partly in the ability to exercise trust. Trust requires us to open our hearts and minds and to free ourselves from preconceived notions. Just as we can lie in the sun and bask in its heat, so we need to open ourselves to receive the gift of love. No strings, no hidden agenda. But such love is not born of nothingness. We all of us have a history, a web of infinite complexity that has been woven around us with time and shared experience, 
And that love is a reflection of who we have been as much as who we are. There will have been hiccups along the way, moments of struggle and adversity which have tested that love. When it is offered, it is a fresh attempt to affirm the supremacy of the bond which unites us despite the difficulties that threaten to separate us. So that love has both a selfish and a selfless character. It is a desire to reconnect both with what we hold inwardly as dear to us and what outwardly we direct that love to. And that love can be reaffirmed in many ways, from a look, a smile, a small act of kindness. We can all imagine how to achieve that connection. It is a reaching out, a desire to connect with what lies outside the confines of self. It is a need to see beyond ourselves and individual self-centered needs. Our friends and acquaintances will, for the most part, bear the fruit of that movement of the heart. But there is another act of love or caring which can be directed not necessarily at those we know, the labour that will not ask for any reward. A gratuitous or fortuitous act of kindness to a passing stranger who will never know your identity. I think we are capable of acts of infinite generosity. We can expand into the universe, make ripples with far-reaching consequences, make channels in the streams of love, as the old hymn goes. We need to cultivate compassion. As Gandhi puts it, be the change that you wish to see in the world. We need to strive to be better, to be the image of selflessness, expecting nothing in return. Give out of sincerity. Unconditional love creates a communion with life. The practice of love increases our forbearance, our capacity to be patient and embrace difficulties and pain. To practice it, we have to know ourselves, both our virtues and our vices. This is not easy. Self-awareness is a difficult journey and it is bought at a price. It comes through the rough and tumble of our daily intercourse with other people, the friction between us, the give and take that makes up our lives. And the process is endless, a never-ending journey in the search for peace and a resolution to the anxiety that lies at the heart of our existence. Whether it be in thought, intention, disposition, prayer, word, action or deed, no act so imitates the divine reality as a sincere, authentic, heartfelt expression of love. The great paradox of humanity is that we are both alone and together. We live with our own limited perceptions while at the same time being expected to connect with the world around us. We are required to live both an inner and an outer life, to make sense of the two and bridge what for some seems an unbridgeable gap. 
We make faltering steps as a child does, stumbling along, sometimes advancing, at others not so sure of ourselves. We seek to build trust with others, but can only do this by testing the waters, making mistakes. We need to recognise what is happening inside us and not shut out any part of who or what we are or what we feel. If we do so, we fuel the fears of feeling and feelings of separation. Know thyself. Now it's not easy to love others without exposing oneself. But that's the deal. Letting go, encouraging dialogue, not judging. They're risky and challenging, but necessary if we are to achieve a measure of success in the quest for honest communion. It requires both a knowledge of self and a relinquishing of self. The barriers must come down. I wonder if you can think of a precedent in history who matches up to such credentials. I recently attended a performance of a one-man show by Simon Callow, who presented Oscar Wilde's De Profundis, the letter he wrote to Lord Alfred Douglas, Bosey as he was known, who had been his very close companion, as I think Wilde might himself have described him. In the letter, written in his prison cell, he recounts his own downfall and fall from grace. And all because he refused to drag Bosey down into the mire of self-degradation in which he found himself, judged by an unforgiving society. Some say he was foolish and could have saved himself the humiliation of imprisonment, but circumstances prevented him from doing so. In the letter, he says, But you, like myself, have had a terrible tragedy in your life, though one of an entirely opposite character to mine. Do you want to learn what it is? It was this. In you, hate was always stronger than love. Your hatred of your father was of such stature that it entirely outstripped or through and overshadowed your love for me. There was no struggle between them at all, or but little. Of such dimensions was your hatred and of such monstrous growth. You did not realise that there is no room for both passions in the same soul. They cannot live together in that fair house. Love is fed by the imagination by which we become wiser than we know, better than we feel, nobler than we are, by which we can see life as a whole, by which and by which alone we can understand others in their real as in their ideal relations. Only what is fine and finely conceived can feed love. Love can read the writing on the remotest star. Do you really think that at any period in our friendship you were worthy of the love I showed you, or that for a single moment I thought you were? I knew you were not. But love does not traffic in the marketplace, nor use the huckster's scales. Its joy, like the joy of the intellect, 
is to feel itself alive. The aim of love is to love. No more, no less. Every day in my prison cell, amidst the ruins of my wonderful life, crushed by anguish, bewildered with terror, dazed through pain, there I stood. But I would not hate you. Every day I said to myself, I must keep love in my heart today, else how shall I live through the day? Wilde refused to condemn Bosi. I cannot, he says, allow you to go through life bearing in your heart the burden of having ruined a man like me. And he ends the letter, your affectionate friend. Bosie never wrote to him during his time in prison. Wilde's humility, his acceptance of suffering as a penitential transformative experience is, I think, exemplary, and the recital moved me deeply. Now, according to the theory of loving-kindness, while, to put it mildly, didn't come off particularly well. His act of love was unrewarded. Bosey continued to be the selfish individual who had sapped, you would have thought, the reserves of compassion of even the most cynical of observers. Yet, Wilde stands as a shining example of unselfish love, and I defy any one of you to come away from reading De Profundis without an overriding sense of the power of unconditional love. So, love can be one way and still work and be an example and inspiration to us, that love that seeks no reward. I have another example to share with you. A good friend of mine was recently bereaved. He had shared a close relationship with his partner for nigh on 10 years. Recently he attended his weekly session of therapy and during the course of the meeting he expressed his overwhelming sense of inadequacy in dealing with the expressions of love and support that he'd received from his friends. He didn't feel able to return that love, felt almost burdened by it. Clearly, his grief prevented him from absorbing those expressions of sympathy. His suffering blocked his capacity to return what was freely offered. Suffering turns us in on ourselves. Wisdom and philosophy are of little use on such occasions. But it is those small, persistent acts of love that wash over our souls and which can eventually, with time, transform us and lead us, hopefully, into the light once more. Love can come to us, I think, in the most unexpected of ways. It appears as small acts of kindness, not blazing in clouds of glory, but subtly invasive. An outstretched hand, a smile, a thoughtful word, or even, as one of our congregation might suggest, a new recipe for a cake. I'll leave you to think who that was. Love, kindness, loving kindness is about connection, compassion, 
building friendships, strengthening bonds, creating new alliances. It has no age limits. It is one of life's mysteries. It is about giving and not getting. It is about self-awareness. It is about thinking about our place in the universe. It is about growing up. It is about becoming better people. It cannot be bartered or bought, but is generous and unconditional. It is not passion or desire, but realizing that something other than yourself is real. Our task is not to seek love, but to find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. And the paradox is, I believe, that by making ourselves vulnerable, we can actually grow stronger. Love, compassion, like an act of faith. To find ourselves, we must first lose ourselves. Lay aside preconceptions, like the lady on the estate. Offer unconditional support. We must dare to be generous. Embrace a positive vision of humanity and hope that the ripples we create will one day become waves. Love is the condition in which the self is less selfish. Our humanity is enlarged and our imaginations liberated. And the premise of love is that life matters. Amen to that. Here are some closing words. May the roots of suffering diminish. May warfare, violence, neglect, indifference and addiction all decrease. May the wisdom and compassion of all beings increase now and into the future. May we clearly see all the barriers we erect between ourselves and others to be as insubstantial as our dreams. May we continue to open our hearts and minds in order to work ceaselessly for the benefit of all beings. Amen. <laughs>